speaking, we're going to carry on. We're on week four on the will of God, the will of God. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been sharing various, um, various topics around the will of God. But we, we know that in Ephesians 5, 17, do you remember? It says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We've got to understand what God's will is. And over the last three weeks now, we've shared a little bit about God's perfect will versus his permissive will. Do you remember that? Who remembers that? Chris, remember. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Oh, NJ, awesome. But we remember that God's perfect will versus his permissive will. We remember a couple of weeks ago we did about forgetting the past. Remember that we can't forget those things which are behind without reaching for those things which are ahead. And we can't, we've got to have that future, we've got to have that hope, we've got to have that something to hook our faith into. But we can't do that without letting go what's behind. Do you remember that? I tell you what, if you haven't, if you don't remember, all these last three messages plus today, they're going to land up on the website, on the app, on the Family Church app from this week. So you can go back and listen to them if you would like to. Then last week, we shared a brilliant message on taking away to establish that in order for, for us to forget the past, God displaces and replaces. Remember, he doesn't remove the past. He doesn't shake fairy dust over us and say, okay, forget the past. No, what he does is he displaces the power of the past. He takes away that sting and that pain and replaces it with his promises and his presence. And he, what he does is he takes away the old to make room for the new. And he takes away, he takes away by adding. Do you remember that? Like he takes away by adding, by adding the good, the fulfillment of his promises. In, in Psalm 66, it says, we went through the fire. Do you remember? We went through the fire and through the water. But God brought us through to rich fulfillment. And we saw that in the lives of Joseph and in Moses and in the Apostle Paul and in the life, our lives, that Jesus brings us through to rich fulfillment. So today... We got another one, still carrying on on the will of God. And Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I'm going to stop right there. The message says, Don't keep going over old history. And one of the other translations says, don't remember the former things. Don't live there. Don't dwell on the past. You know, the good old days. Forget about the former things, nor consider the things of old. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. And I want to pause here, and I just want to clarify something very clearly. When God says he's going to do a new thing, it's nothing outside of his word. God will not do something that's outside of his word. He will not tell you, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to say it. He's not going to tell you to leave church and go nowhere, okay? He's not going to tell you that. He's, that's contrary to his word. God says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. We need to gather together. 
It's important for us. It's important for somebody else. You might have a word for somebody. We need each other. So he does, he's going to do a new thing, but it's nothing outside of his will. And he says, now it shall spring forth. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He says, I will even make a road in the desert and rivers in, oh no, a road in the wilderness. Sorry, no one corrected me. Are you still with me? Yeah. Are you still there? <laughs> I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We've got to learn to live in the now. That's the title of my message, is living in the now. Living in the now. There's beauty in the new. He makes a roadway in the wilderness, and he makes rivers in the desert. He doesn't remove the wilderness. He makes a roadway. He doesn't remove the desert. He makes a river to flow through it. Ecclesiastes 3 says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. There's beauty in the now. There's beauty in the new. Let's forget the former things. And let's not miss out the beauty of the now by focusing on the former things, by focusing on the past, and you by missing out what's happening right now, or by being anxious about the future. In, I read this quote. It says, in the same way that no amount of regret can change the past, no amount of anxiety changes the future. But any amount of gratitude changes the present. There's something about being thankful. There's something about being thankful. It makes us grateful for what God is doing in the now. We've got to, be, we've got to learn to live in the now, to be present where we are now. You know, God gives us our daily bread. He gives us manna. He gives us our daily bread. He doesn't give us a month's supply. You know, yesterday's bread is old, it's stale, it's crusty, it's moldy. We don't use yesterday's bread. We can't use tomorrow's bread. It's not been baked yet. So we, what we have is we've got what's in front of us, today's bread. He gives us our daily bread. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Not tomorrow, if you hear his voice, or if you heard his voice yesterday. No, that scripture says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. God has a fresh word for you today. Isn't that amazing? God has a fresh word for every single person here today. Listen to these scriptures. There are so many. Do a little search on how many scriptures there are that says new, thousands in the Bible. And I'm just, I've only picked out like 300, so are you ready? Okay, I'm glad I got your attention. His mercies are new every morning. Who's glad that God's mercies, oh, praise you, Jesus. His mercies are new. I need them hour by hour. Oh, my word. I need God's mercies minute by minute. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. The Bible says that new wine must be put into new wineskins, or else the old will burst. Jesus says a new commandment that he gives to us. And it's not a burdensome one. Love one another. Love one another. This is the new commandment. 
as salvation. He makes us new creatures in Christ. Um, throughout the Bible, we're told to put off the old man and put on the new man. Yes, who said it? Andrew, praise God, listen to this guy. But right through, from generations to revolutions, no, from Genesis to Reve Revelation, he goes all the way through through the Bible, and he says, right at the end, he says, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and where Jesus makes all things new. There's so much beauty in the new. There's a freshness in the new. So we've got to forget the former things. Live in the new and live in the now. I think every time we have a prayer here before the service, we always quote Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know what? Sometimes you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and declare it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will. I will. It's a matter of my choice. It's my will. It's my I've got a choice in the matter. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not living in the past, not anxious for the future, living in the now. Some scriptures about now. 2 Corinthians 6 says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Galatians 2.20, a well-known scripture. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, the, you know, sometimes we read and we just don't see it, hey? But the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. The life that I now live. You were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Hebrews 11 now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we need to live in the now. You're getting it? Am I making myself clear? We need to live in the now. We need to be present where we are, not where we're not. Be present where your feet are. A good thing, the footballers, this is how they train them. One of the things that they do to train them, be present where you are, where your feet are. You can't get sidetracked in a game and get disturbed and get, get sidetracked about what's going on and somebody's fouled me or whatever. You can't get caught up in that. You've got to stay focused on your game. So be present where you are. Be present where your feet are. I heard about this statistic. It's from some American university. Sorry, Amy. But it's always an American university. Why is it not like British? But anyway, I don't know, I don't know why, there's no answer to that. But they came up with this, this, um, this study, and they said, this, the, the result of the study is 47% of the time, people are not where their feet are. 47%, that's almost half the time, people are not present where they are. So we're going to do a little test. Okay, who's here today? Are you still with me? Yes, everybody, some not. Some not sure, maybe, maybe not. Okay, but 47% of the time, we're going to do a check throughout this, this, this message, okay? Making sure that we are present where we are. Don't let your mind drift about lunch. Don't let your mind drift about those donuts in the back there that Byron and Veronica bought again, and we're just going to get larger than life. 
Don't allow your, your thinking to go with work tomorrow or school tomorrow. Be present where you are. There's beauty in the now. There's a scripture in, in Colossians that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's what we're doing here. Christ in you, Anne. Christ in you, Johnny. Christ in you, Jermay. The hope of glory. Christ in me. Christ in you. And when we come together, it's Christ in all of us coming together, worshipping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, encouraging one another, praying for one another, worshipping together. Let's celebrate Christ in you. Christ in your neighbor, Christ in each person here. We celebrate that in God's presence, Christ in us, in our conversation, in our fellowship, having a cup of tea. Be aware, Christ in you. Let's be present where we are. So the only way we can be present in the moment, are you still with me? Okay. Thanks, Johnny, I saw that hand. <laughs> the only way we can be present in the moment, A, surrender your past, Surrender past, you cannot change. And B, trust God with a future you cannot control. Surrender a past, you cannot, you cannot change. You might as well just surrender your past. You cannot change it. You can't change it. But the good news is, Jesus can redeem it. You heard my testimony a couple of weeks ago. Jesus can redeem your past. You know what? He will remove that sting. He will remove that pain. He will remove that shame. And he will add to you. He will add to you. He'll add to you. He will redeem you. He'll, he'll, he'll take, he's brought you through those rivers. He's brought you through that fire. He will redeem you. But leave it up to the Lord to redeem it. He will redeem it. He will take away that sting. He will take away in order to establish but surrender your past. And it's not always just the bad things. You know, we don't all, some of us had a brilliant upbringing, you know, and I think, wow, I'm quite envious at times, you know. But surrender even your sentimentality. You know, those good old days. Don't live there. Why do we always want to hop back to the good old, there was nothing good about my good old days, so-called good old days. No, but even in my salvation, there are, you know, we can celebrate. We can celebrate the, the, the victories. We can celebrate. It's not like, oh, no, you know, I've lost my brain cell now. Just one brain cell. But um, no, we, we can celebrate our victories. We can, but don't live there. We don't even live in the last year's victories. It's good to, to think about them from time to time, to celebrate them, but we don't live there. We don't live there. So we've got to surrender our past to the Lord and trust God with our future. How can we trust God with our future? Because we know that he is good and that he does good and that he works all things together for our good. He redeems the past, but he also prepares us for the future. He prepares us for, with good in our future. So trust God, be present where your feet are. And we don't just live for the big moments in our lives. You know, I remember when I was at school, my thought was, when I'm finished school. <laughs> you know? When I've had my first child. When I've 
my first child's left home. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. Okay. But when I get married, you know, we're always living for these big moments. But you know what? I believe that God is in the quiet moments. You know, look at, look at um, 1 Kings 19, 11. We won't go there. But, Eli- but was it Elijah? He had a revelation. You know, he, he was, um, God appeared to him. But he didn't appear to him in that, that wind that crushed those rocks. He wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the fire. He was in that still, small voice. And I can honestly say that the big moments in my life have been the quietest. They've been the ones where God has spoken to me that I know that is God. Oh man, those are powerful moments. And we can't just only live for the highlights, for the big ones, for the big ones. I I, I live for those small, intimate moments with my God when I know this is God who's spoken to me. And it's always quiet. It's never, it's never a rah-rah. Sometimes I think, oh, I'd like a little bit of rah-rah. No, no, he knows what's good for me. So be present where you are with what's right in front of you. And just think about the life of Jesus. And um, during this week, I'd recommend that you read two chapters of the book of Luke, Luke 18 and Luke 19. And during the, in, in these two chapters, we're just going to think, we're just going to speak briefly on two characters in Luke 18 and Luke 19. Jesus was on his way from Galilee down to Jerusalem, and he passed through Jericho. Now, Jericho was a very affluent city. It's known as, it was known as the City of Palms, and it was affluent. There, were a lot, there was a lot of wealth there, and there, was, there were also, as there were, because there, were a lot, there was a lot of wealth, there were also a lot of beggars, because you don't want to go begging in the slums because they've got no money either. So you go begging in the affluent areas. And um, so Jesus was traveling through to, Jer- to Jericho. He's approaching Jericho, the city. And the, and the Bible says that there were multitudes thronging about. Multitudes were thronging about. And suddenly, blind Bartimaeus, he's sitting there begging. And he calls out, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples tell him, listen, don't bother the teacher. Keep quiet. But he shouted out all the louder. He was desperate. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in Luke 18, 40, it says, Jesus stood still and commanded him, blind Bartimaeus, to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus was brought to Jesus. He was standing right in front of Jesus. And Bartimaeus said, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus healed him there and then. We go on. The very next verse is Luke chapter 19. Jesus is entering Jericho. And who's there? Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Not just the tax, the chief tax collector the scoundrel of scoundrels, in other words. He's earned his way to the top. He skimmed the top portion of the taxes. He's added money that's to be paid for the taxes. He's, he's added his bit, his share. This guy's a wealthy guy. 
but he was vertically challenged. He was not a tall man. He wasn't of tall stature. He was a short guy. So what did he do? He climbed up the sycamore tree. Okay, those who remember some nursery, some Bible Sunday school nurse rhyme, whatever it was called. There was, a, there was a song, apparently. But do you know what I love? Is that Jesus arrived at the tree, and he looks up at the tree, and he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. And Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus. But I believe that Jesus, this was a divine appointment. Jesus went straight to the tree, and he looked up at the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. He, I love that. God knows your name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Be present where I am. That's my interpretation. Be present where I am. Come here. And Zacchaeus had wanted to see him. Zacchaeus was trying to see him, but I believe that Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. This was a divine appointment. And so, so Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. He has lunch with the sinner of sinners. I mean, Zacchaeus was despised. He was a dishonorable man. Are you still with me? You still with me? 47%. Are you still with me? Praise God. So he, this guy was corrupt. But you know what? Jesus cared for him. Jesus cared for blind Bartimaeus, this guy that could offer him nothing. He was present where he was at with what was in front of him. With Zacchaeus, the guy that was so affluent but so crooked, but, you know, he was a sinner, basically. He didn't know the Lord. But Jesus was present where he was at. So whether he was with the down and outs or the up and outs, Jesus was present where he was at. And this is what we've got to be like. Jesus is our example. To be like the Lord. To be present where we are. To be present where we are. Living in the now with what's in front of us. The greatest example has to be a little bit further in the book of Luke. Luke 23, when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus was on the cross, and that's the ultimate example of living in the now. There Jesus is, this sinless, spotless Lamb of God, being crucified for the sin of the world between two criminals. And one of the criminals, one of the, 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 the criminals speaks to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you go when you, enter, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' agonizing death, he could hardly breathe. He was pushing himself up by his feet to try and take his breath. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. That was Jesus' worst day. It's his worst day. Yet he was present where he was, meeting needs of people. I think... You know, sometimes as Christians, we can get into little routines and we can say, I've got my devotional, praise God, I've got my devotional, and I, and I read my devotional every day. And the Lord speaks to me every day through my devotional, and I've got my scriptures. I don't know why I'm speaking like that, but anyway, but it's for emphasis to make sure you're still with me, okay? So, and then I read my Bible, and then I pray. Job done. I've had my quiet time. Okay, God? And God's like, <clears throat> actually, no. You know, we, we go to him with our checklist, and we say, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, and God's no. You know what, maybe he's got a fresh word for you. Let's, let's learn to linger a little longer in his presence. 
Isn't it good? Isn't it good when God has that fresh word? Like this morning, God had a fresh word for every person here today. And I think it's so wonderful. Let's not be, let's not be rushing out of God's presence. Let's not be having this tick list that I'm reading my Bible. God, aren't you impressed? No, maybe he just wants to speak into my heart. So let's, 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 let's take our time. Let's be present where we are. Which brings me to our hourglass. You thought, oh good, she's nearly finished. No, this timer says I've still got 11 minutes, but anyway. And, um, but this hourglass, this is like an analogy of our life. This is an analogy of our life. At top, okay, I'm going to swing it around. Okay, you didn't see me do that. At the top part, this top part is the time our life to come. We've all got an hourglass, each one of us, our lives. None of us knows how much sand is in the top. You know, we might be, have that much sand, we might have that, we might be full. Nobody knows the time, okay? We've all got the certain amount of sand in our lives, the top part. The, part, the bottom part is the past. So that's, that's, the, that's, the part, that's the future that's going through there and that's now finished. It's in the bottom of the, of the hourglass. That's our past. But in the middle here, this narrow little section, that is the now. That's where, it's pull, that's where it's pouring through. It's pouring through the now, that now moment, that restricted moment. It seems almost confined, limited. Only so much sand can go through that time, that space, at a time. It's restricted. And those words, confined, restricted, can sound quite negative. But actually, the way I look at it is it's focused. It depends on how you're living in the now. The way I see it is it's focused. We need to learn to deal with what's in front of us. Thinking about what's to come, thinking about how much sand we've got left, or thinking about what tomorrow brings, causes anxiety. It can cause anxiety unless you're walking by faith, unless you're trusting God in every area of your life, but thinking about the future can cause anxiety. We've got to stay present where we are. Remember that quote, no amount of regret changes the past. It's there. It's there. And no amount of anxiety changes the future. But any amount of gratitude at this point changes the present. That's a good analogy, don't you think? So, put my hourglass down. I have turned it over. Now you're very confused about how much time is left, so am I. But don't worry. So, the important thing, what I did was I turned it over. And that's actually quite important. Living in the now, where we are right now, this is not a dress rehearsal. We can't start all over again. We can't say, okay, bad start, can we start again? You know, like these guys that get off to a false start when they're running in the Olympics. No, this isn't a dress rehearsal. You can't start all over again. We are where we are, okay? So if you have been living in the past, if you have been dwelling on the past, unable to forget the past, anxious about tomorrow, that's what this message is about. Be focused on the now. 
be focused on the now. And the way to do, the way that we live this life is we've got to do God's way now. It's not just being a good person or doing the right, it's doing things God's way in the now. Doing things God's way. When we do things God's way, we'll reap, that's when we'll reap a future. We start sowing seeds for the future. That's how we can, in some ways, have control because the Bible says that whatever you sow, that you shall reap. And he says, but don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season, in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. There's always a due season. So what harvest do you want in your future? If you don't want to be anxious about your future, what future do you want? If you want a blessed life, we've got to be doers of the word. All of it. Not favorite word. All of the word. We've got to be doers. To be a blessing. To encourage one another. Love our enemies. Pray for them. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. You know, when we do things God's way, we're going to reap a harvest for the future. We'll reap a harvest in the future. But the middle section is narrow. It's confined. It's focused. The now life is focused. It takes some discipline at times. It does take some discipline. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go in that way, because narrow is the gate and difficult. You might think, you're being a Christian, you're a bit narrow-minded. Yes, I am. I am narrow-minded. I am. I think God's way. I try to think His way. Because narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate and difficulty is the way. But it leads to life. I can't fill my mind with whatever drops into my head. I can't watch stuff on TV that's going to impact me. I can't watch certain things. It affects me. I've got to, I've got to live the narrow life. I have to. But it says narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. You know what? God's not being a killjoy. He's not saying to us, well, I don't want you to enjoy your life. I'm trying to restrict you. I'm trying to keep, it, keep you on the narrow path so that you don't enjoy your life. What he's doing is he's trying to protect us. He's trying to guide us. Somebody's phone's ringing. <coughs> Somebody? Anybody? That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. There we go. But God's not being a, a killjoy. Just, and just because God's leading us, he's guiding us, he, what he's doing is he's leading us and he's guiding us by going through that narrow path. Um, it's not, doesn't necessarily, it's going to be easy. You know, we've, we've given a bit of our account when we came from South Africa to the UK. We had everything... We had a job, we had a place to stay, we had this, we had prophecy, we had words, we had scripture. Perfect, right? No, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And I know a lot of others have experienced that as well. 
But just because God's leading you and guiding you doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy. You know, when, when the children of Israel had come through the Red Sea, when, when Moses parted the Red Sea, after 430 years of slavery, you'd think, praise God, they've, God's parted the Red Sea. They're coming out, right? Wrong. <laughs> Wilderness. Wilderness. No water for three days or three nights. No water at all. You think, oh, come on, Lord, give the guys a break. But you know, sometimes, and then they found the water, and the water was bitter. They couldn't drink it. So Moses had to perform another miracle and throw a branch in and make the water sweet, make those bitter waters sweet. But you know what? Sometimes the wilderness experience, like we saw in, in that song about the faithfulness of God, sometimes there's, there's a wilderness between God's promises and his provision. And, 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 the, and, and the purpose of that wilderness is so that God can install stuff into our lives. He knows what we have need of. He knows the work that's required in each one of our lives to enable us to become the man or the woman that he's called us to be. I heard this quote this week by my father in the Lord, Ray McCauley. Love him. <laughs> he said, you'll never become who you're called to be by remaining who you are. You'll never become who you're called to be by remaining who you are. You know what? There's stuff in my life that I know God has got his finger on because when things happen and I respond in a certain way, I think, oh, God's got me. But it's okay. It's all right so long as I cooperate with him. He's not trying to bring out the worst in me. He's not. He's just trying to help me to grow into what he, who he wants me to be, to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, his son. Come on, that's what it's all about, isn't it? So we, and sometimes what we do is we get into a trial and the first thing we do, try and escape it. Got to get out of this, got to get out of these circumstances. But no, you know what? Stop trying to run from it. Maybe God has allowed certain things. I'm not saying God brings bad into your life, okay? But he will allow it. You know, like Joseph, he was, um, gosh, somebody was thirsty. But, but you know, God, Joseph landed up in, in prison for a crime he didn't commit for 10 years. And at the, right at the end of his, when he was made prime minister, and his brothers came and bowed down before him and said, you, the, you know, help us feed our nation because we are starving to death. And, and the words that came out in Genesis 50, what the enemy intended for evil, God will turn for good. Sometimes the enemy brings in stuff, sometimes, but God allow it, will allow it. But, uh, but, uh, but, but let's work with him. Let's, let's stop trying to escape the trial and let's be present where we are. Let's be present where we are. You remember, we can only work with what's in front of us. Is there somebody at the door wanting to come in? Or no, just the door, just the wind. Okay, but be present where you are, where your feet are. You can't work with what's not in front of you. You can only work with what's 
with what's in front of you. That's what matters. And I'm going to finish off with this. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5. says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give, give thanks, for this is the will of God. We're talking about the will of God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and for me. Rejoice always. Rejoice always about the past, about the future, about right now, but rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In other words, it doesn't mean you just go pray gobbledygook, but pray without ceasing. Pray in faith. We're not going to be K Sarah, Sarah, Doris Day Christians and what will be will be. No, pray in faith. Because what we, what we pray, we're sowing seeds for the future. We're sowing seeds. What kind of a future do you want? Let's sow seeds for the future. But in everything, give thanks. In the now, in the present, where you are, where your feet are, give thanks. 47%, how many of us are still with me? Shoo, you're doing really good, people. Listen to what the passion says. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect will for you. Pray without ceasing. No amount of regret changes the past. And no amount of anxiety changes the future. But any amount of gratitude changes the present. What future do you desire? What future do you desire? Whatever your future is, make sure that you're sowing the right seeds now. You know, if you want a life of blessing, if you want a life of joy and of peace, sow those seeds now. Be intentional. Sow the seeds that you want for your future. Sow them now. Don't worry about what was, what was past. Don't worry about what's to come. Sow those seeds now. And my final scripture, Deuteronomy 30, verses 19, says, God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today, today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He gives a big hint. Choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. This might be a narrow path, but it's the only path. Choose life. Choose life. Amen. Let's close in prayer.